0: The church not only faced persecution but false teachers, the temptations of immorality, idolatry, and spiritual complacency both within the church and society. Now, has anything changed? See, this is why Revelation is applicable for every age.
1: This week we begin a new series from our rector, Father Arthur Ward, titled, Revelation Made Relevant. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Lives Together podcast. One of the more controversial and talked about books in the Bible is Revelation. It's a book that seems to have its foot in both past, present, and future, and gives us a vivid image of heavenly worship and the judgment of this world. The Apostle John is credited as being the author, though his role might be better understood as a recorder, writing down what he was seeing and hearing. This could offer an explanation as to why scholars find John's Greek to be unrefined in comparison with his gospel. Trying to describe the supernatural events John was observing would be difficult to put in words, for words are inadequate to describe what our minds are inadequate to comprehend. Still, John was able to provide for us an awe-inspiring witness that is meant to encourage the church as the church endures persecution. Before we turn it over to Father Ward, we want to say thank you for your time as you tune in each week. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by the content of this podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And if you have enjoyed what you're hearing from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a five-star rating and review. Your positive feedback will help us reach more people with this podcast. And now, here is Father Ward with part 1.1 of Revelation Made relevant
0: great to see all of you coming out the Lord uh, has blessed us with a uh, beautiful night I know there's the temptation to take a nice stroll evening stroll uh, but uh, we have uh, an incredible uh, revelation of God to look at and so it's great to have you here with us And I'd just like to welcome everybody, especially any uh, newcomers, uh, visitors. Uh, I'd like to just acknowledge you during our break time. Uh, And we're going to probably have, hopefully, a few more people come in in the next uh, few minutes. But uh, before we uh, begin the actual study, let's pray. The Lord be with with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and praise you just for this day. We thank you for your provision your protection and the pardon we have in your son christ we thank you that you live in us through your holy spirit and you have brought us together this evening to study your word and specifically to study the incredible revelation that you gave to your servant john we pray lord that your holy spirit would really illuminate your truth illuminate the love of jesus and why he is who he is, and help us to grow closer to you, both personally and also that you would enable us to be stronger in our convictions, and that we live out what you have called us to do, and whom you've called us to be. We thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Revelation, the most controversial book in... The Bible. And it is a book that has caused uh, great division over the centuries in the church. It's a book that uh, people are sometimes afraid of. Sometimes they get frustrated because it's so hard to decipher. And as a result, sometimes it is totally neglected. What our purpose is during these many weeks of study, is to really break down the book, verse by verse, word by word, and understand that every verse, every idea, everything that is set forth in this book, are all individual pieces of a greater puzzle. And once you get all those pieces together, you have an incredible whole, an incredible message for the entire world for all time. There is no other book like it on the planet. Now my first exposure to Revelation came when I was a middle schooler. The year was 1979 and my father took me to a movie. And if we can show the trailer, some of you remember this movie. It's kind of neat to see how they would advertise back in 1979. But you're going to see and see if you recognize. Keep moving over. Lorianne, right to here, to the uh, right here. Yep, that's it. And then go and just expand it out over here. Right there, yep. Okay, and then hit play. See if you guys remember this, some of you. Man is faced by unprecedented Notice the 19 at the bottom and the other two uh, numbers are left out because the implication was that the coming of Christ could very well happen before the year 2000. Now when I went to that movie, uh, it was, I, was, I was very interested in it, you know, I was a kid so I wasn't able to take everything in, but it did, it was very unsettling. It was kind of a little scary. And uh, that's what can happen when we do focus on certain parts of Revelation. It can cause us to be afraid, especially when we start to see things happening in our world. And remember, during the 1970s, there were some things that were very apparent. There was trouble in the Middle East, right? There was the oil crisis. There was problems with our economy. There was the tension between the Soviet Union and the United States. There was the rise of the cults. All these things were coming together and and there was a rise in technology. Technology was uh, increasing. And so everything seemed to point to uh, some of these things really coming to pass in our own day. Now, it has been, what, 37 years since the movie came out. We're still here. Uh, We still have the same problems though, right? The economy is still struggling. There's still problems in the Middle East. There's still tension between the free world and, I mean, Russia is uh, technically well, it's kind of a pseudo democracy. So there's still that tension, right, going on. There's still the rise of of um, counterfeit religion. You think of the New Age and and kind of this and the emphasis on uh, you know yoga becoming kind of commonplace. And I'm not saying that the the, the exercise is as, uh, but again, this whole Eastern religion and and kind of the self-centered uh, aspect of religion still very prevalent in our society. Uh, and so, and then you, of course you've got the rise of uh, fundamentalist Islam. So there are still reasons to suggest that Christ's coming might be just around the corner. And you know that's the way God wants it. Every generation throughout his uh, church history has felt. That and can see signs that point to Christ coming back. But here's the thing that is very important, but revelation is more than a forecast of all the things that are going to happen before Christ returns. Revelation is the culmination of the first. 65 books of our Bible. We're going to see why in just a moment. Revelation is the expression, the complete expression that God has set forth for us of Christ's work, past, present, and future. The beautiful thing of this book is that it kind of ties everything together that was already revealed in the first 65 books of the Bible. That's what's the amazing thing. And we're going to see that ultimately Revelation is all about Jesus Christ. Like I just said, past, present, and future, His work. Now, before we actually get into the verses, and we're only going to look at the first three verses tonight. And by the way, if you miss a study, don't worry, just come. That's all right. We have the notes, and the notes are there to serve as a guide, but also as a resource after you leave. And so if you miss a study, You can pick up the notes. Also, we're going to be uh, recording them. And so hopefully the recordings will go through and you can get recordings as well. Now, I want you to uh, bring your attention to the screen. And if uh, Lorianne, if you could make that back to, uh, and remember that's right there. Yes, perfect. And let's see if my little pointer is going to work. By way of introduction, we all remember, well, not all. Wait, let me ask you this. How many saw that movie? Raise your hand. The Late Great Planet Earth. How many saw The Late Great Planet Earth? Oh, a few of you. Okay, so you guys remember it. Actually, it was a pretty good movie. It was pretty well done. Uh, in fact, I was looking at it again because I vaguely remembered it uh, as I was preparing for this. And it, it, was not, it wasn't uh, too bad. So, Okay. Why Revelation? I kind of already went over this, but it's more than a doomsday forecast. It's not primarily a social or political commentary. Rather, it's the culminating expression of Christ's work on earth, past, present, and future. And it's important as highlighted in the first five words and three verses of chapter one, which we're going to get to in a moment. Now the author, who is the author of John? Because he really doesn't identify himself. The early well-documented tradition among the church fathers was that John, the beloved Apostle, the author of the Gospel of John and the three letters of John, wrote Revelation. That is the earliest witness we have. Going back to about the middle of the second century, so that would be like 150 to 160 AD, Justin Martyr wrote that it was John, the Apostle, the son of Zebedee, who wrote the book of Revelation after he saw visions during his exile on the island of Patmos, off Asia Minor. That was also reiterated by uh, further uh, church fathers, Hippolytus I think I have here, I gotta look at the names here, Clement, and um, of Alexandria and Origen. Now, we did have a couple folks, leaders who questioned it by the third century, But it was more on theological grounds. They just had a problem with it, theologically. And then modern scholars question it because the Greek in Revelation is so rough. It's not really polished. It's not smooth like you find in the Gospel of John and in John's letters. Also, John doesn't identify himself as the apostle. He identifies himself simply as a servant. Now, folks who believe that in the traditional understanding of who was the, he was the, uh, the writer, we'll say, well, that can be explained because he was seeing visions. And he was so shook up by these visions that he wasn't real careful in terms of making sure everything was in order in terms of the language. When we talk about, when we use the term Greek, we're talking about that's the language that the New Testament was written in. And also, we'll see that Revelation really is all about Christ. And that the authority of Revelation isn't derived from the apostleship of John. Like Paul would write and he would say, hey, I am an apostle, all right? And because I'm an apostle, I have this authority to tell these things to you. Well, John doesn't need to do that because he's actually getting the revelation directly from Jesus. So there's no need for him to say, I'm the apostle plus, which we'll find in just a little bit. All of God's people are identified as servants throughout the book of revelation that's the title given to us and that's appropriate because jesus said if you want to be great in the kingdom you've got to be what servant of all if our lord said i'm a servant how much more are we to be called servants so that's a little background i believe it was john the apostle because you got to go with the earliest witness you've got right i trust these church fathers and what's so remarkable is that the only reason why we can only go back to 150 is because we have nothing left or nothing uh, that remains in terms of writings. But the earliest writings we have about Revelation are from these men, and they commented on it. They commented on the book, like I'm commenting on it now for you. They wrote about it, and they said, No, it was John, the apostle. Let's continue now. About the uh, audience. Now, there is a, a small picture of the island of Patmos today. And the audience... Uh, It describes the vision that the Apostle John had while on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, and it was first sent to the seven churches on Asia Minor, minor, or the western part of modern-day Turkey. Since these churches were located by widely traveled roads that connected them, Revelation was meant to be a circular letter. What What that means is that after John wrote it down, it was sent to the churches by a messenger And the scroll was left there for the church to read, okay, to everyone during its worship service. And then copies of the scroll were made. Remember, they didn't have a printing press back then. So copies were made, and then it started to be used, to be studied, and then it spread throughout the empire. Uh, One of the reasons why it became uh, scripture, because of its common use. And so, like I said, it spread throughout the Roman empire. Now here's a uh, map of uh, Asia Minor. And uh, I'm sorry, just a minute here. I need to go back. Can you help me out, Lorianne there? Should be able to bring it back. Oh, I have to do, okay, hit the wrong direction. Okay. All right, well, the content of Revelation suggests it was written during a time of severe persecution. And there are two possible periods when Christians suffer persecution under the Roman Empire. The reign of the Emperor Nero or the reign of Emperor Domitian. Uh, during uh, Nero's reign, The argument for the earlier date is that some ancient versions of Revelation mention his name actually in the book. And so some say, hey, it has to be during his time. Uh, Nero blamed Christians for a massive fire in Rome, and then he severely persecuted them. Revelation does not mention the destruction of the temple, which occurred after Nero's reign in AD 70. And so if Revelation was written later than A.D. 70, proponents contend that a significant event like the temple's destruction, which occurred in 70 A.D., would likely have been mentioned. Now here's the problem from my perspective of an early date, okay? The early church fathers, the same guys who identified John the Apostle as the author, said that it was during the reign of Domitian, the end of the first century, Okay? Also, we have to understand that if the revelation is coming directly from God, that does not mean that the temple, that God would say, oh, by the way, the temple was destroyed. He, mentions, he, didn't, he wouldn't have to mention the temple being destroyed because that was not the emphasis of this uh, revelation. So that's why I would say it's for the later date. And that would be the Emperor Domitian. That's the end of the first century, from the testimony of the early church fathers, and also the emperor Domitian required that he be addressed as Lord and God. Christians refused, making themselves likely targets for persecution during Domitian's reign. Yes. I'm sorry. How old would John have been? John would have been about 85. Because you figure he was called right in about 28 to 30 AD, depending on how you want to date. And by the way, yes, if anyone has a question, just shout it out or raise your hand. If I go too fast, just raise your hand, okay? But that's a great question. John was probably 20 when he was called. So by the time it was 95 AD, he would be about 85 years old, okay? And also the tradition is that he was exiled. There was a a persecution going on. He was exiled to an island. He probably had some sort of free reign, maybe had the ability to um, write. We don't know all the details. All we know is that he was able to write this book and then send it to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And I apologize. I'll get the map up after the break for everybody to see. Uh, again. So the purpose. Revelation first served to encourage and challenge believers living in Asia Minor during a time of persecution. Either the reign of Nero or the reign of Domitian. Again I think it's the reign of Domitian. The church not only faced persecution but false teachers, the temptations of immorality, idolatry, and spiritual complacency both within the church and society. Now has anything changed? See, this is why Revelation is applicable for every age. It's the same issues we're facing today. It eventually became accepted as God's word for the church for all ages. Revelation is meant to instruct, guide, comfort, and reassure Christians in their spiritual journey and point the world to the coming day of the Lord and return of the King. So these are the introductory things that we should be aware of. And now we're going to get into Revelation itself. Before I go any further, we looked at the author, John the Apostle, the same guy who wrote the Gospel and the three letters of John in our New Testament. Okay. We looked at the audience, seven churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Real churches, real issues, and we're going to see how they're addressed in a couple weeks, because it's going to take us two more studies just to get through chat, Revelation uh, chapter 1. The date, most likely during the end of the first century, during the reign of Domitian, the Roman emperor. Okay? Purpose, we just talked about the purpose. It's to encourage us, it's to instruct us, it's to comfort us, it's to be a beacon of hope in the midst of all that's going on, of the wickedness of our society, but it's also to be a challenge to live the Christian life. And so we're going to see that Revelation is more than just a book of prophecy. It's much more than that. Now, if someone were to ask you, let me just stop before we go into the Word now. Any questions so far? Yes. I don't have a question, but I was on the island of Patmos in 2005. Oh, nice, Yes.
1: Says there's
0: a huge crack in the ceiling of the cave, and tradition says that um, because of God sounding like many waters, his voice did crack the ceiling of the cave. Well, that's am- that's am- that's amazing. Um, amazing being there. Did everyone hear that? That uh, Sandra was in the, at the visited the island of Patmos in 2007, and there's a church where. Uh, The revelation was given to John that it was built on that place, and there's also uh, is the cave part of the church, or yes, you've got to go into the church and then into a cave, and there's a crack in the ceiling ceiling of the cave. You mean in the right? And some believe that that crack uh, occurred when uh, John heard the voice that said, "Sound like many waters." You know, we'll we'll get to that point where, and it just shook literally. Uh, the ground. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me because earthquakes are used by God to demonstrate at times both his judgment and his delivering power. Uh, so uh, that, that's, thank you uh, Sandra for, for sharing that. Any other comments or questions? So we've, we've looked at the introductory elements. Now there is something else that you always want to address when we talk about the introduction to Revelation. And that is the four interpretive approaches of Revelation. But we're going to do that at the end. And that's if we have time. If we don't have time, we'll do that next week. But there are four main approaches, interpretive approaches, that are taken when it comes to Revelation. They're all Christian. In other words, they're all, uh, just because you don't have that approach doesn't mean you're not a believer, okay? And, and um, we'll talk more about that in, in, uh, towards the end. So let's uh, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. If someone were to ask you, what are the five most important words in the Bible? What would you say? Now, I hope none of you looked ahead. And again, what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to... (laughs) Oh, brother, that's the problem with giving the notes. Okay, now listen. Listen. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. All right. All right. If you haven't looked at the notes, what would you say? Okay. Now listen to this is what I, the, I, I didn't get this from anybody. This is my contention now. Okay. These would be the five most important words in my opinion. Uh, does anyone want to say something else? Okay. In the beginning, God created. Right? That's a real important phrase. In the beginning, God created, because it highlights that there's a God, and that He created everything, and we're not, uh, we're the creation, not the creator. Someone else might say, "God so loved the world." That's an important phrase, because it highlights the fact that God loves us. But from, in my opinion, I don't believe they tell the whole story. There is one phrase only found in the book of Revelation that I believe tells the whole story. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is how this book begins. And it is profound when you think about that. Because ultimately, like I said earlier, the entire Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because the entire Bible is the account of how God redeems mankind through the sending of his son to die on the cross and rise again and to establish the kingdom of God first in our hearts and then once and for all on earth and in this universe. That's the whole book of scripture, all the books. Sometimes people call it the scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. And Revelation is the culmination of that. And so it is neat to know that the first words in Revelation are the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Greek, it literally is apocalypsis, uh, eusu Christu, revelation, right? Now, what does this word revelation actually mean? it's it's an incredibly important word because revelation is from the verb to reveal or uncover. Literally it means it is to, it exposes that which has been secret or uh, veiled or hidden fully in full view. It's to make something known in full view. And when we talk about revelation, In scripture, what that highlights, because Revelation isn't just mentioned in Revelation. The word apocalypsis is found about over a dozen times in a different forms, in that form and other forms of the verb to reveal in the New Testament. And we know in the Old Testament that God reveals himself through his word. Okay, And when we talk about word, we're not just talking about words on a page. Remember, we're talking about anything God does to show himself. So in the Hebrew, the word for word was "debar." Now, this is all in your notes, so you, can, you don't have to worry about. But the bottom line is that God does stuff to show us his will, his plan, his purpose. And the important thing to understand is that means that our faith is a revelatory faith. That means it's a faith that is based on what God shows us not based on what we figure out it is not man-made it's not man-centered it doesn't come from man it comes only from God now the way God reveals himself to us is not just through supernatural revelation which this is specifically but he also reveals himself through general revelation or natural revelation you say well what's the difference General revelation refers to God revealing himself in nature. You ask, how does God reveal himself in nature? Romans 1, 18 through 20 tells us, where the apostle Paul says that the things which are made, the the, uh, creation itself shows us the invisible attributes of God who is the creator. I want you to turn now in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 to highlight this Romans chapter 1 because I kind of butchered the paraphrase version So Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 It's page 1125 if you if you didn't bring your bible but if you brought your bible it's Romans chapter 1 verses 18 19 and 20 the Apostle Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed. You know, see, there's that word, revealed. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. All right, that's our conscience. That is our knowledge of right and wrong. That's what, one of the things that separates us from the animals. We don't lock up animals in a zoo because they've done wrong. We only lock up people because they've done wrong. For God made it evident to them. How did God make it evident to them? Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. In other words, everybody's without excuse. If you don't believe in God, it's the reason why uh, the Lord says in his word, and it's repeated in two Psalms, Psalm 14 and Psalm 50, that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Because deep down, there is this knowledge that there is something more than just what meets the eye. And we know that by looking at everything that's been created and the order and the I mean, you think of the cycle of life and how everything's interrelated and interdependent. And so Paul is saying that's already in man. So you're really without excuse. Now he continues, verse 21, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And uh," there's that word, their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. And of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now we may look at this and just say, well, that is these people who are bowing down to different deities and statues of these deities that are often animal crosses between animal and man and and, and, and what have you. But all but really this, these verses should be actually put up on the walls of our college campuses. Because when professors trust in the ideas of man over God, and they turn their back on God, when people worship money, that's a form of idolatry, or other people or themselves, it's the same thing. They're exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for the corruptible things of nature. And so that's why Paul continues and then sums it up uh, by saying, um, uh, for they exchanged the truth of God for oh, lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 25. Uh, verse 24 is interesting though. Therefore God gave them over in, their lust, uh, in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. What happens is when you turn against God, you're trusting either in self or in something else. And so really what becomes your standard for living it becomes your passions and that's what happens we can see that in our society where people are following their own lusts rather than the law of the Lord or people will go the other extreme and think that by denying themselves and not engaging in the lust but following certain rules and rituals and regulations that somehow they're going to become more holy and closer to God and that's not good either you know, that's the other, ex- other extreme, because it's only the grace of God in Christ that really cleanses us and makes us holy, not just what we do. And certainly self-denial is good, but to the extreme where we think somehow we gain more approval before God and that makes us better than others, that's wrong. That's legalism. What's interesting, some people say, well, what about people who have never heard the gospel? A good uh, passage to uh, look at when answering that question uh, can be found in the next uh, chapter in Romans chapter 2. Which is right there in front of you. And in Romans chapter 2 verses 14 through 16 we read this at the bottom there if you're on the uh, pew Bible. 11.26 Paul is talking about the law and how God gave the Jews the law. So they knew. uh, The law is a revelation okay from God. They didn't come up with it, God gave it to them. But then Paul writes, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day when according to my gospel God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus, Now the secrets of men, what is the secrets of men? It's what's in the heart. You only know all your secrets in God, that's it. I don't know unless you reveal them to me or I reveal them to you, right? They no longer become a secret then. But God's gonna judge all the secrets, all the situations, and it's because God knows what's in here and the person has a conscience, and so they're either excused or condemned based on their conscience of what they knew and how they responded to that. But when people in a society who do not have the law of God, who do not know Jesus, but they recognize that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, lying is wrong, committing adultery is wrong, that's pretty universal, isn't it? Now of course in the ancient world and through different societies, what happens is that certain people get into power. And even though we all know it's wrong, they get away with it because they're in power. But at the end of the day, deep down in everyone's heart, they know right from wrong, the basics. And yes, that can be corrupted by their upbringing. You think of these poor kids and who are uh, being indoctrinated by ISIS right now, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, teaching them how to behead people and, and how to kill. And I mean, they're being indoctrinated. I can't blame that child, right, for what that child does necessarily. I mean, I don't know the heart. I don't know what's going on. But people can, their minds can be perverted. And that's why we aren't in the business to be judging people because only God can judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But the good news is that the only reason why anybody can have mercy is because of what Christ has done on the cross. And once you're exposed to Christ, you have a choice to make. Are you going to accept them or are you going to reject them, right? Right? so the revelation of Jesus Christ teaches us a number of things that title okay it reminds us that it is from God it is special in other words it is not part of nature that's general revelation right we the only way I can know specifically God is if he specifically talks to me or reveals himself to me and that Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation so when we see the title the revelation of Jesus Christ it is basically saying this is Of Jesus and from Jesus, and it highlights again that ultimately all the Word of God is a revelation, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to just say something too. I think it's neat or important to note that the is used, not a. This isn't just a revelation. The revelation. It's not revelations. Everybody, even I think in the trailer, he said revelations or whatever. It's not revelations with an s. It's the revelation. Now, why is that important? Because it highlights that God's revelation is a unity. It's cohesive. It isn't divided. It doesn't contradict itself. It's not all over the place. It is central. It's united. It has a purpose. It's all together. So like when I talked about pieces of a puzzle, the revelation of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation is a beautiful panorama of God's plan and purpose for our world and for the future but they're all different pieces. And until we can all get them together, it's a little confusing. I also need to add is that remember what did Jesus say in John 5 39? He said that the scriptures testify about me. Right? He he just basically said all scriptures about about me. Okay? Paul highlights that also in Romans. Since we're still in Romans, let's look at one more passage in Romans. Just go to the end of the book there. Romans 16. Page 1140. This is an incredible benediction. It's just jam-packed with um, solid truth. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. Romans 16.25 And the preaching of Jesus Christ according, okay, here we go, according to the revelation of that mystery. See, it's called a mystery Because you won't be able to know it or figure it out unless it's shown to you. So it's the revelation. And what's the mystery? The preaching of Christ, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, that's our Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith. Isn't that great? You see? It's a culmination. Christ is fulfilling the Old Testament, the Scriptures, the prophets, and it's been secret for all the ages past, but now it's made known. And so that's why in Hebrews, the age that we're living in now is called the last days. I know every time we think of the last days, we think of the tribulation. No, we're in the last days right now. We're in the last of the human age before Christ returns. So we've looked at the first five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which in my opinion are the most important words in the whole Bible because that expresses everything. That God is a creator. But who's the one through whom all things are created? Jesus. For God loves us. How is that love demonstrated Through Jesus. We're saved by grace. Why? Because of Christ. Through faith in who? In Jesus. It's his law. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to stop right there. We're going to take a break. But before we do, any questions or comments on what we have looked at? Yes, Bob. When you commented about, you of yes. moderate. Now, in this day, it's 60% neutral and 40, uh, 20% absurd. Yeah, that makes sense. Did everyone catch that? A hundred years ago, in, you said a hundred years ago, correct? In, in the last hundred years, might even go, it doesn't in the last century, last century. It used to be in colleges you had 40% uh, liberal 20% conservative, 20, uh, uh 40% moderate. Is that right? 20, 20 moderate. Now you have 60 liberal, 20 conservative and 20 moderate. That makes a lot of sense because there's no doubt, especially since the sixties, uh, because there was that, that revolution of the sixties really incorporated everything, the rebellion against authority, drug use you know, sexual revol- the sexual revolution, and, and so forth, the college campuses really turned, and education turned. Uh, and I believe part of that can be traced to uh, 1963, when the Supreme Court took prayer out of uh, the public schools. Uh, it became no longer fashionable. Uh, and so, uh, yes, we've seen that. Uh, but it's again, it's it's... You know, it's the age old, uh, nothing really changes. The heart of man is still deceitfully sick and desperately corrupt above all things. Um, And in this day and age, you've just seen, you've just seen it. But thank you for that comment, Bob. It's a good observation. Any other uh, comments or questions? Yes, Mary. Yes. Yeah, that's Did you see it, yes apocalypto does does everyone has everyone heard of that i would recommend that movie it's it's a little violent but uh mel gibson uh uh put that movie together about a year or two after the passion of the christ and it's about a mayan tribe and a uh, a uh, native who was sold into slavery or taken uh, captive not sold but taken captive by the aztecs and if you know from your history, the Aztecs were brutal and how he dealt with that and escaped. Um, but it's a really powerful movie, but it's very graphic. Uh, Think of the Aztecs and what they did. So if you're not, uh, if you have a, a weak stomach, I would not recommend watching the movie. But when interviewed because apocalypto is the Greek word to reveal, um, which uh, comes from, a, you know, we get apocalypses. Uh, Mel Gibson said that it was to reveal, uh, uh, in terms of the primitive cultures, you know, certain things, expose certain things that were true in primitive cultures. And I think that's what he was getting at, possibly that there was good and bad, even in those um, uh, uh, primitive cultures. If you, if you think back to Acts, where Paul addresses... Uh, the Gentiles, you know, he says that, uh, was, I'm sorry, there's, um, it might be Peter now, I'm going blank. But uh, there's that, that verse where, I think it's Peter now, that he says, you know, it used to be that uh, anyone who feared God was acceptable to him. But now that Christ has come, we must put our faith in Jesus. Again, I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, And so there's that point uh, where um, God, I do believe, is at work in cultures and in societies that have not been exposed to Jesus Christ. But we know that once one is exposed to Jesus Christ, that's when true transformation occurs. Because everything before that is kind of at a distance. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I know there's a higher power. I know there must be a God. Maybe he loves me because I can love. I need to do good, but that's the extent of it.
1: You have been listening to the Transforming Lives Together podcast, a ministry of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. To learn more about our church, please visit stbartston.org. Again, that's stbartston.org. You can also connect with St. Bartholomew's on Facebook and Instagram through the handle at St. Bart's Anglican Church, and you can connect with this podcast on Facebook through Transforming Lives Together Cast. We hope you will tune in next time as we continue our series, Revelation Made Relevant. Until then, we leave you with these verses from Paul's letter to the Romans. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God bless.